Well, it's great to see you today. It's great to have you, those of you here in the church worshiping and those online. We're so grateful that you've chosen to set apart this time, this part of the Sabbath for worship with the church family. And today is a, is a special day for one particular family here, Alvaro and Angela Hohoa, celebrating 25 years of marriage. Amen. And uh, I wonder if you would just stand, you and your family, and I'd like to have special prayer for you. Um, let's bow our heads. Father God, we thank you so much for the Hohoa family. 25 years, Alvaro and Angela celebrating today. Give them joy in each other's love. Continue to keep them faithful to one another. Bless their children. And God, I pray that they would be a bright light for you wherever they go. Give them your joy this day. They celebrate the love that is a gift from you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Hohoas are new members of our family, church family here, and we're just delighted that you're part of our College Height Church. Now, today as we launch into uh, our message, I just... Uh, I need a little extra prayer today, so if you would pray for me as I present this topic, it's kind of a, an important one and a sensitive one. We've been going through this series, Secrets for Great Relationships, looking at the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, you know, would you read with me one more time our theme verses, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Let's all read it out loud. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Holy Spirit produces these things in our lives. It's our privilege to cooperate with God as he makes us more and more like Jesus. Amen. Well, we've looked at the secret of love, the secret of joy. We talked about the secret of peace, which, of course, is like a peach. We've looked at the secret of patience. We've uh, spent some time with the secret of kindness. Very important fruit of the Spirit. And then, of course, uh, last time we looked at the secret of goodness. We talked about integrity. And now today, the secret of faithfulness. Faithfulness is like a Bartlett pear. All right? And um, so, you know, faithfulness in any relationship is a secret of a great relationship. But today... We want to focus primarily on faithfulness in marriage. Faithfulness in marriage. Hebrews 13.4 says, Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another. This is God's word. Remain faithful to one another. It seems that even though the divorce rates are high these days, that when people walk down the aisle together, become husband and wife, they do so not anticipating failure. They do so anticipating that their love will last a lifetime. That's, that's really uh, the hope that people have. We hope that our love will last a lifetime. But friends, it takes more than hope. It takes commitment, doesn't it? How many of you would say that it is harder to stay married than it is to get married? Can I see your hands if you believe that? It's harder to stay married than it is to get married. And that is absolutely true. 
But uh, today I want to speak to you about how to affair proof your marriage, how to stay faithful to one another. And so this is, a, this is a sensitive topic. We talk about affairs. We talk about adultery. There are some who uh, it brings up painful memories. And I want you to be assured today, we're not talking about the past. We are future looking with this message. And it is vital that we understand how we can really affair proof our marriages. And so... Uh, I want you to realize that God invented sex. I mean, God was the one that designed it. It's a beautiful gift. Every gift of God is good. Uh, water is a good gift, and, and uh, we need water to live. And yet, when we get water out of place, out of control, it can be very damaging, as they learned in British Columbia just uh, this past year. Um, of course, fire is a great gift. And, uh, you know, when it's in the fireplace, in the right place, it is a, a beautiful thing. But fire out of control, fire in the wrong place can cause a great deal of harm. And so it is with the gift of sex. It's a beautiful gift. It's, sex is not dirty. It's a beautiful gift from God, but in the right place. There are parameters around this gift. If it gets in the wrong place, if it gets out of control, it can cause a great deal of harm. And so we talk today about six ways that we can affair-proof our marriage. The first one is this. You might want to write this in on your outline. The first one is commit to God's standard. Make a commitment to God's standard. The Bible is God's standard here, and, and God is very clear about this. You know, God designed sex for marriage, not before marriage, not outside of marriage, not with someone you're not married to. God designed sex for marriage. And so the first thing to affair-proof our, our marriages is to commit to God's standard. Psalm 119, verse 9, how can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. When we make a commitment to God's standard, saying, God, your ways are right. I'm committed to your standard. I'm going to live according to your will. That's the first thing we can do. And God is not unclear in this area. Exodus 20, 14, you must not commit adultery. It doesn't say you should not. He says you must not. This is something that causes so much pain and heartache and shame, and so many people get hurt when this happens. And many people are, are giving up <laughs> so much for a moment of pleasure. And God says you must not commit adultery. This is God's standard. It's always been God's standard. It always will be God's standard. There is no excuse for adultery. No excuse. Um, you know, Proverbs 5.15 says, Be faithful to your own wife and give your love to her alone. Alone. This is God's plan for marriage. And so I, I want to be very clear. If we're going to affair-proof our marriages, we need to first of all make a commitment to God's standard. I'm looking out at... at uh, my friend Keith Clouton here, he and his wife Nairi just celebrated 60 years of marriage. Wonderful, wonderful celebration. 
committing themselves to God's standard. Well, secondly, to a fair proof our marriages, magnify the consequences of adultery. Magnify the consequences. This is so painful. It's so hurtful. And uh, folks, we, we need to remind ourselves how hurtful it is. In fact, Proverbs 6.32 says, The man who commits adultery is an utter fool, for he destroys himself. You want to destroy yourself? Go ahead. Commit adultery. You are an utter fool if you do it. These are God's words, not mine. We need to magnify the consequences here. This will destroy you. It will destroy your family. It will destroy the other family. It will destroy God's church. And so I'm not beating around the bush here today. We need to magnify the consequences of adultery. Uh, Proverbs 6.26 says, Sleeping with another man's wife will cost you your life. Now, in Old Testament times, literally it did because if you were caught in adultery you were stoned to death there'd be a lot less people on the face of the earth today if we still did this (laughs) but the fact of the matter is even today when uh, someone commits adultery it costs them their life you know gone is the life they once knew the shame the guilt the fear, all of these things overwhelm. You lose your life when you commit adultery. Magnify the consequences. But look at this. Hebrews 13, 4 says, God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. In the judgment, it will not go well with you if you persist in this sin. It is a sin. And so God will surely judge people who committed adultery. We need to magnify the consequences. You know, sometimes, you know, we, we talk about the word affair. It sounds nice. It sounds like, kind of like affair, you know? Folks, let's call it adultery. Let's call it what it is. It is sin. And I am not naive enough to believe that there is nobody in the sound of my voice who is involved in this sin right now. I, I you know, I'm speaking to a church family, we know this happens. It ought not to happen. But if you are involved in adultery today, first of all, I want you to know God loves you and so do we. If you struggle in this area, you belong here. We want you to know that you belong. But we also want to call you to make a change, a decided change in your life. If you would protect your marriage, if you would affair-proof your marriage, let's magnify the consequences of this sin. Thirdly, if I would affair-proof my marriage, I need to maintain my marriage. What I'm talking about here is uh, I need to put the time and effort into making sure that I have a good marriage. All right? And so the way we spell love in marriage is T-I-M-E. And the reality is that many of us are way too busy, you know, to be able to invest the time. And, and, we, and we kind of tend to take each other for granted. And when that happens, things go sideways. I was talking to my wife the other day about this. And 
So Nancy is going to be preaching about how to affair proof your marriage and what thoughts you have. She says, well, if a husband neglects his wife, if he doesn't show care and attention and kindness and affection to his wife, and some other man does, it's easy to see where that can go, you know. And so, men, I want you to know the onus is on us to show that care and love and, and, and just really spend time with our wives to maintain our marriage. 1 Corinthians 7, 3 says, Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. Let the husband render the affection that is due. I want, I want you to know that affection is so important for women. Uh, men, it's more about sex. Women, it's about affection. You know, that, that hug, that pat on the back, that kiss on the cheek, you know, the, the little actions that just let her know that you love her, that she's precious to you. And so the Bible says, Understand her needs. Understand the affection and render to your wife the affection that is due her. You owe it to her. And wives, the same thing. Understand your husband's needs. But listen, uh, unmet needs, unfulfilled expectations, unresolved conflict often lead to unfaithfulness. And so we need to maintain the marriage. Maintain my marriage. If we're going to fair-proof the marriage, it must be maintained. Now, a number of years ago, uh, Willard Harley, Dr. Harley Jr., authored this book, His Needs, Her Needs. And it's a classic book. Over two million copies have been sold. But he highlights, uh, you know, he's worked with thousands of couples. He highlights the top five needs of men. Here they are. Number one, sexual fulfillment. That's no surprise. Number two, recreational companionship. Three, an attractive spouse. Four, domestic support, you know, cooking, cleaning. Five, admiration. Men long to be respected, you know. And so these are the top five needs of men. Let's take a look at what, uh, you know, Dr. Harley says are the top five needs of women. Look at this. Number one, affection. Affection, not sex, affection. There's a difference. Number two, conversation. Three, honesty and openness. Four, financial support. And number five, family commitment. Women are looking for a man that is committed to the family. Looking for a man. So now let me ask you, where do these two lists intersect? What do they have in common? Did you notice? Nothing. Nothing. In no one point. There's not one point that's on both of these lists. And so what, what we need to understand is that in marriage, we both partners must strive to understand the needs of the other because they're totally different than our own. All right? Sometimes, you know, a guy will get married and he'll think, yeah, she looks like a woman, but she's really like a man. She has the same needs I do. No, it's not true. 
And the woman gets married and thinks, well, he looks like a man, but underneath that, you know, manly shell, he's really a woman with the same need. No, it's not true. We have totally different needs. And so we must understand what the needs are of our partner. If we're going to maintain our marriage, we must understand. I was amazed years ago to discover that for my wife, a hug was as important to her as sex was to me. I just didn't realize it. I didn't know that was true, but I learned. And we need to commit ourselves to understand what each other's needs are and do our best before God to meet those needs. We need to maintain the marriage. If we are happy and joyous and content in our marriages, that's the best thing we can do to a fair proof them. Are you, are you hearing me? Now, 1 Corinthians 7, 5. This touches on an area that, that really is, is one of the areas that causes greatest conflict in marriage, and that is sex. And so Paul says, 1 Corinthians 7, 5, do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time. By mutual consent and for a time. So that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. If you are not uh, engaging in this physical act of love, you will be tempted to look elsewhere. Now, there's no excuse for it. There never is an excuse for it. But Satan will work to tempt you. It's interesting. You look at the Israelites before they entered the promised land. What happened in Moab? You know the story of how they became sidetracked with sexual relations with the Moabites. And, and just before God's people enter the promised land in the last days, Satan works in a special way in this area, and he has been highly successful. You know, they conducted a survey to determine which days of the week, um, this is a very scientific survey, which days of the week most husbands desire lovemaking. They discovered that it was on the days of the week that begin with the letter T. Tuesdays, Thursdays, today, tomorrow, Tatterday, and Tunday. <laughs> and uh, so we can, we can joke about this, but man, that's, that is the, the greatest need of most men is for sex. And uh, I want you to know, men, that if you are meeting the emotional needs of your wife, if the hugs and the little kisses are there and the affection is there, you will have a wonderful sex life. But if you neglect to show your wife affection, you may have no sex life at all. All right? Someone wrote a book, Sex Begins in the Kitchen. You know? It begins with the loving affection, you know, that we show our wives. So we need to maintain our marriage. Notice what Ellen White said here at Adventist Home 337. She says, to married men, I am instructed to say. Who's this coming from? This is coming. She, Ellen White wrote it, but God told her to say it. She said to the married man, I am instructed to say, it is to your wives, the mothers of your children, that your respect and affection are due. Your attentions are to be given them, and your thoughts are to dwell upon plans for their happiness. You say amen? 
ought to be a few women saying amen to this one. <laughs> you know, she says, look, men, be affectionate to your wife. Think about her happiness. Make plans for her happiness. This is, this is you know, the equivalent of happy life, happy wife, you know. But it's true. It is so true. Number four, to affair-proof my marriage, I must manage my mind. I've got to manage my mind. Now, listen, um, unfaithfulness does not happen in a day. You don't have someone who is living an upright life before God one day and the next day they're sleeping with somebody that's not their, their spouse. No, it doesn't happen like that. It happens over time and it starts in the mind. So the first step that leads to a moral fall is accepting sinful thoughts in my mind. I've got to manage my mind. If I allow my mind to go sideways, that's the first step towards a moral fall. Uh, James 1, 14, 15 says, temptation is the pull of a man's own evil thoughts and wishes. It starts in the mind. If I allow evil thoughts to dwell in my mind, well, Bible says these evil thoughts will lead to evil actions. All right. Starts in the mind. This is one of the big problems with pornography. If we allow ourselves we know that it's not just men that have issues of pornography. It's women. And I'm telling you, if, if you struggle in this area, please get help. Get help. There is hope for you. Uh, you know, if you don't know where to go, come and talk to me. I will help you. It will be confidential. You can be sure. But so many people struggle. And, and basically, we're allowing our mind to dwell on these kinds of things, and it will eventually lead to action. We will act out if we allow these thoughts to remain in our minds. Porn is highly addictive. It's exciting. You know, let's, let's be honest here. You know, I, I tell you what, I am grateful, so grateful, that I have not started down that road, because I can tell you what, if I started down that road, I would be gone in a moment. I'll just, I'll just confess to you here that when I was a young boy, one time I found a stack of Playboy magazines and I started looking through the pictures. Oh, look at that, you know. And uh, I tell you what, if I got into anything like that today, I would be gone in a moment. And I have to be very careful to manage my mind. I have to. We all do. Um, but notice what the Bible says here. It says, run from anything that gives you the evil thoughts that young men often have. Run from it. Run from pornography. Run from anything that will place evil thoughts in your mind. We've got to manage our minds. But stay close, on the other hand, to anything that makes you want to do right. You got to run from anything that gives you evil thoughts but stay close to anything that makes you want to do right. Have faith and love and enjoy the companionship of those who love the Lord and have pure hearts. Companionship of upright people is so important. We need to watch our friends. You know, We're hanging out with people who love the Lord, people who have pure hearts. That's going to rub off on us, you know, and we can help each other. 
for hanging around with people that don't love the Lord and don't have pure hearts, that's going to rub off too. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't hang around with people who don't love Jesus. We need to. You understand that. But we need to watch the influence. Um, Paul says in Romans 16, he says, I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. And today it seems to be flipped right around. People today are wise about evil and innocent about good. We, we live in a difficult time, I'm telling you. This is rampant, rampant, rampant. And God says, I would have you to be innocent about evil things. Please, please manage your mind. Secondly, after accepting sinful thoughts into your mind, that's the first step that leads to a moral fall. Secondly, emotional, non-physical involvement. This is the second step. Emotional, non-physical involvement. And we think, oh, I can, I can just, you know, have a, a wonderful friendship with someone that I'm attracted to. As long as we don't, you know, touch each other, it's okay. This is so dangerous. We call this an emotional affair. There's no physical contact. But your heart goes out to the other person. You're attracted to the other person. You long to be with them. You're texting them day and night. This, this stuff is deadly. It's the second step towards a moral fall. And you can rationalize. Say, well, we, we, we're not physically involved. This is just a friendship. Don't fool yourself. This is dangerous. Some of you know what I'm talking about here. You know, when you're around someone and there's chemistry and there's a buzz, you know it and they know it. And you're playing with fire if you continue to nurture that. And so, uh, Song of Solomon 8 verse 6. Close your heart to every love but mine. Hold no one in your arms but me. This is what we need to practice in our marriages. Close our hearts to every love but the love of our spouse. If you are in a relationship where you feel attracted to the other person and you know that, you know, that, that emotionally you're so attached to this person, you need to address that, my friend. You need to address it. It's the second step. Close your heart to every love but the love of your spouse. Number three, physical involvement. Starts off in the mind, accepting sinful thoughts, then it goes to emotional, non-physical involvement, and then it slips so easily from there to physical involvement. I, well, let me, let me just tell you this. There was a pastor's wife who confided in another pastor's wife. I won't identify them. She was going through a very difficult spell in her marriage. By the way, we all go through spells in our marriages where it's rough. We all do, all right? Don't think you're unusual if you're going through a rough patch in your marriage. Nancy and I have been, we've been happily married for 35 years. We've actually been married for 36, but happily married for 35. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. There, there are times when it, it's not you know, what you had hoped, and you go through difficult times. But there is no excuse ever for adultery. And so physical 
involvement. The line is crossed. The act is done. I don't need to, uh, I don't need to go into details here. That's the third step leading to moral fall. The, the fourth one is rationalizing the affair. We are so good at rationalizing what we want. Well, everybody's doing it. But we're in love, you know. We can, we can come up with a million different arguments for why we should continue in the affair. Just, just one more time. You know, people that have been involved in affairs, they often say that the intensity of the passion surpasses anything they've known in marriage. You wonder why people stay involved in affairs? Folks, please, please, I'm pleading with you. Don't let yourself get entangled because you're playing with fire. You're playing with so much fire. And we can rationalize it. The Bible says the human heart is, is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. We can rationalize this until the cows come home. Evidence Home, page 330. The mind of a man or woman does not come down in a moment from purity and holiness to depravity. It takes time. It takes time. And so think of these four steps from, from allowing the sinful thought in your mind to you know, emotional, non-physical attachment, and then, of course, the physical act, and then rationalizing it that we stay involved. Um, it doesn't happen in a moment. It happens over time, and we need, we must manage our minds. Adventist homepage 334 says, you are responsible to God for your thoughts. You are accountable to God for your thoughts. She says, if you indulge in vain imaginations, sometimes we call this fantasies. If you indulge in fantasies, permitting your mind to dwell on impure subjects, you are, in a degree, as guilty before God as if your thoughts were carried into action. All that prevents the action is the lack of opportunity. This is what Jesus said, if you lust after a woman, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. We must manage our mind. Well, number five, maintain proper relationships. If we would affair-proof our marriages, if we would be faithful to our spouse, we must maintain proper relationships with other people. Now, you know, maybe you don't know, that uh, most affairs happen either in the workplace or with close friends. It's rarely a stranger. And so the people you work with, the people you hang around with, you've got to maintain proper relationships with those individuals. Uh, let me tell you what, especially here, don't listen to someone of the opposite gender complain to you about his or her spouse. Steer them quickly to a counselor of the same gender. I have seen this far too many times, you know. Uh, a husband... Things aren't going well at home, and so he'll be talking to another woman and say, oh, my wife, she's this, she's that, she doesn't do this, doesn't do that. And, uh, you know, the other woman sympathizes, oh, that's too bad, you know, I'm just so sorry for you. And, and soon, whew, you know, 
Soon things go sideways. Don't listen. Evidence homepage 338. When a woman relates her family troubles or complains of her husband to another man, she violates her marriage vows. She's not mincing words here. She dishonors her husband and breaks down the wall erected to preserve the sanctity of the marriage. Don't whisper your discontent into the ears of another person, especially not someone of the opposite gender. Maintain proper relationships. And finally today, number six, minimize the opportunity. Minimize the opportunity. If you don't want to get stung, stay away from the bees. I, I have to tell you this, uh, just three, three quick things here. First of all, recognize the kind of situations that will stimulate or tempt you. Recognize them. You know. You know when you watch a certain movie what happens or when you read a certain book. or You know, you, you know so you avoid those situations. Uh, maybe, maybe for you, it's when you're in a, uh, you know, a, a, a situation where you're alone with someone of the opposite gender that you're attracted to. Folks, we ought to avoid that at all costs. I, I learned this early in my ministry. There was a couple who were having problems in their marriage, and I was trying to help them. I was trying to help them both. And then one night, you know, the, the woman phoned me, and she was just crying. She was in tears, and, and uh, she says, could we talk? I said, sure, I'll be right over. Uh, turned out we were alone. And she was talking to me, sharing about all of her problems and all of her woes. And, and I tell you what, because I am uh, someone who is hardwired to want to help people and to care for people, I found my heart being drawn out to this woman. There was some chemistry there. And I said, whoa, God help me. God help me. Because I, and I realized the danger of being alone, particularly in a situation where, where there was chemistry and she was complaining to me. And I tell you what, I learned. I have to avoid situations like that. Sometimes, you know, you, you, you travel, you know, for work. And, and I, I've had good friends that travel and they're in another town, another city. There's no one there who knows them. And they are highly subject to temptation. Get an accountability partner. Have someone who will phone you up and say, how did it go? Were you faithful to your spouse on that business trip? You know, there are ways. If you can't avoid it, get an accountability. Accountability partner is a great idea for anybody in this area. And some of you are thinking, this could never happen to me. You've been married 45 years. Pastor, look at us. This is not going to happen to us. What's the Bible say? Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. You know, when, when you think this could not happen to me, you are in danger. I remember in seminary, there was uh, a time when James Cress and his wife Sharon came to speak to us. We were just about to be graduated uh, he was the uh, ministerial secretary for the North American Division at the time. And so he and his wife had to talk to us about this very thing, about moral standards and being faithful to our spouse. And, and uh, so Sharon, Jim's wife, Sharon said to us, 
She said, how many of you here think that this could happen to you? This could happen to you. And some of us very sheepishly put our hands up. It could happen. It could happen. She said, thank you. You can put your hands down. She says, I'm not so worried about you. It's the people who didn't raise their hand. The people who think this could never happen to me. Those are the ones I'm worried about the most. You know. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So, so first of all, recognize the kind of situations that stimulate or tempt you. Either avoid them or get an accountability partner or something. Secondly, choose your friends carefully. Bad company corrupts good character. And if you're hanging around people that have low morals, those should not be your best friends. Choose your friends carefully. Thirdly, establish some protective boundaries. Draw the line. I will not go past this line. I remember when my girls were young and they were just coming up into the years of dating. I had a talk with them when they were about 14. I said, look, you need to have a line. You need to have a boundary. You don't have to tell me what it is. But you, in your mind, in advance, you have that line drawn. And you tell me when you do. And they would come back and they would say, okay, Dad, I figured it out. I know what my boundary is. I'd say, God bless you. But we all need boundaries. I, I appeal to you. If you don't have boundaries in this area, please, before God, establish those clear boundaries. You will not cross this line. God will bless you for it. Minimize the opportunity. Nancy and I have been married for 36 years. And by God's grace, I have been faithful to her. And it is my intent before God to be faithful to her all our lives. First of all, because I love her. And I love my children. And I can't imagine ever hurting them like that. Second of all, because I love the Lord Jesus. He is everything to me. He went to the cross for me. He gives me purpose every day of my life. And he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. Friends, please. Please. A fair proof of your marriage. Make a commitment to God's standards. Magnify the consequences of unfaithfulness. Maintain your marriage. Maintain your mind. Maintain proper relationships and minimize the opportunity and God will bless you. Look, if there has already been an affair, please, please know there is still hope for you. This does not need to be the end of your marriage. There is help. There is hope here. Secondly, please know that you belong here in this church family. We are not here to judge you or to criticize or condemn you. 
We are a community of forgiven sinners. Amen? We're all in the same boat. It may be a different sin, but we're all sinners. We need each other. But listen, if you are in an affair right now, listen to me. The pathway back to purity is very clear. Number one, acknowledge the sin. Say before God, God, I confess this. This is sin, and I confess it. Two, end the relationship immediately. Immediately, today, I'm appealing to you. Make the phone call. It's over. I will not see you again. I'm going to block you on my phone. It's over. And avoid, number three, all contact with that person from now on. It's the only safe way. And when you confess that sin to God, ask forgiveness, and you make this change, you have the wonderful joy of knowing that you are forgiven. All right? And so listen, I'm asking you as we close today to make two commitments. Number one, commit your life to Jesus. (laughs) Number two, commit that you will not have sex outside of marriage for the rest of your life. I'm appealing to you. Make these two commitments. God will bless you. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, I'm asking appealing to you. First of all, commit your life today afresh to Jesus. Secondly, that you would commit yourself before God today that you will never have sex outside of marriage for the rest of your life. Would you make that commitment to God just now? Oh Lord, you've heard our commitments. Seal them. And by your grace, may we be faithful to our marriage partners. Be honored in our homes. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.